The Ryan and Rush Show is brought to you by Vision Homes. If you're looking to build in North Central West Virginia, visit askvisionhomes.com. Vision Homes, building you a house you're proud to call home. And don't forget to subscribe to the Ryan and Rush Show, but don't take our word for it. Take Coach Neelan's. Hi, this is Coach Don Neelan, and you're watching the Ryan and Rush Show. Please subscribe. Welcome you in to another edition of the Ryan and Russ Show, your source for West Virginia sports. On today's episode, we're behind enemy lines previewing this UCF uh, Golden Knights team. We know they're the Knights, just want to give our guests a hard time to start. Our guest today is Adam Ian from the Sons of UCF podcast. I know not the outfielder, not the former outfielder for the Reds, <laughs> but Adam Ian. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're happy to talk with you. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Not so bad. Usually, I get um, UFC um, and I get uh, I get Golden Knights. So you're you're one of two so far. That's not so bad. There we go. Hey, we're playing baseball, right? That's a 500 average. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and I know you guys don't like to be called Central Florida too. So like, there's a bunch <laughs> of things like that the UCF fan base does not like to be called. But yeah. uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's get right into it. In, in a guy that I mean that I like to to watch, and I liked watching him at Auburn. Gus Malzahn enters, or he's in this midway through his third year. What's the fan base think of Gus Malzahn? Obviously, at Auburn, very successful, went to a national championship. He's definitely an entertaining coach, an entertaining brand. What's the fan base's take so far in the Gus Malzahn era? Well, I'm glad you like him, Ryan, because he may be available if you guys are interested. Because I think there's some UCF fans that the the shine is wearing off Gus a little bit. Um, everything kind of Auburn fans, you know, said about Gus in terms of his play calling and being a, a bit of a stubborn coach. That's all really starting to, to come to fruition, I think. And it's, it's becoming more and more obvious as, as he's been around UCF. That's not to say he's a bad coach, but you're certainly starting to see the flaws, particularly as UCF's been on a, a losing streak here of the last four weeks. Doing, doing a great job in recruiting. UCF's had two of its back-to-back best recruiting classes of all time. So he's certainly doing his part on the recruiting trail. I think the results in the field just haven't materialized. And uh, it's always something, right? There's an injury. There's the other team ran a scheme we weren't prepared for. Um, and so I, I think most fans are still in favor of Gus. But with each loss, with each kind of weird decision, with each kind of head-scratching, two-point conversion, the receiver throws the ball kind of play call, uh, I think that confidence erodes just a little bit. But I think the honeymoon period is over. Now I think it very much it's Gus has has got to start proving, you know, what he does as a coach. And that's going to sound crazy to some people to say, little old UCF has to demand that Gus Malzahn proves himself as a coach. Um, But I think we're at that point where, you know, we'd have to understand what Gus is really going to be to UCF and if he's going to be able to take UCF to the levels that we want to be at now that we're in a Power 5 conference. Well, we like to joke around and call UCF the the Golden Knights or Central Florida or, you know, there's a fun to pick at. We actually, it's a program we really respect and a program that, that we're really happy to have in the Big 12. Um, and we really feel like you guys fit it well. Um, and obviously the start to your Big 12 has been 0-4. I definitely think those first three games are, you know, you. I know a lot of us are out, or a lot of us are out of with our starting quarterback, but Plumlee's not your typical starting quarterback. He is a difference maker, and I don't think it's a true 0-4 like you see in Cincinnati, for example. Uh, but we talk about last game in the Oklahoma game, and Plumlee definitely makes a difference in that one. And he may not be 100%, but I mean, you're you're maybe a, a blown ref call away from winning that game or at least going into overtime. Talk about 
Plumley and the dynamic he brings to this UCF team and why you, you need him out there? Well, it depends on which Plumley you get, right? <clears throat> the Plumley you see right now is a Plumley that's coming off of a knee injury. Uh, UCF does that thing where they don't disclose the injury specifically, but you'll see he's wearing a knee brace that's pretty much takes up his entire leg. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's probably a little bit more than a bruise, right? Um, and and that's a big challenge if you're John Rice Plumley because his game is really um, predicated around his ability to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's probably one of the best athletes UCF has on its field when fully healthy. I've heard rumors that if you lined up everybody on the on the goal line and ran 40 yards that John Rice Plumley went healthy is one of the top two or three fastest guys on the entire team not just at the quarterback position the entire team and that just shows his athleticism but if he can't use his legs that forces him to be a, a passing threat and that is not what his strength is he's not going to pick you apart he's not going to sit back in the pocket go through progressions and find the open receiver he typically will lock on one or two guys if he doesn't like it get out of the pocket and get some yards can't do that right now with his knee with his knee injured. So you saw a different Plumley at Oklahoma who was actually a little bit more patient, had some really good throws downfield, probably his best throwing game as a UCF Knight. But that's the knock on him is is really his ability to to, to get the ball into tight spaces to make good solid throws. But what I've always said about John Rice Plumley is not so much his throwing ability, right? He's got an arm, right? He plays baseball too. He can he can get the ball down the field, right? Um he he didn't play quarterback for like two and a half seasons. His decision-making, I think, was really the challenge last year. And that's where you're seeing more improvement this year. He's he's taking sacks if he has to. He's throwing the ball out of bounds if he has to. I'd like him to get down and slide a little bit more. It's crazy to me, a baseball player. He does not know how to slide. He takes more hits than anybody I've seen in a quarterback position. Um, and he plays baseball for a living, so he should slide on that as well. Um, his decision-making has improved. But if you get a Plumlee who is 95% healthy and has a threat in the run game, that's the full John Ryan. Plumley experience that's a dynamic quarterback if you get a Plumley that's 75 80 percent and can't get out of the pocket that's where things are going to get a little bit dicey and you're going to see can he sit back there and, and be a, a throwing quarterback can he really orchestrate that offense curious to see where he's at we you know we heard he was close to 100 percent for the Oklahoma game uh, I've seen every game he's played at UCF he did not look anywhere close to 100 percent in that game I will tell you, though, he also had the flu on Friday, uh, so he, he was pretty sick during the game as well. So perhaps that played a role in it. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how fresh he looks coming out against West Virginia, because if he can use his legs, he's a dynamic quarterback. He's a problem for defenses. But if he's going to have to sit back in the pocket, I think it makes it a little bit easier for defenses to scheme him up a little bit. Yeah, good points, uh, Adam. And let's talk a little bit about the Big 12. And from the West Virginia side, we went through this transition – Uh, about over a decade ago in 2012, where it took one to two years to get acclimated in the Big 12. We came over from the Big East, you guys over from the American. What's the UCF uh, feelings towards joining the Big 12? I sense a lot of excitement because I think about the really good teams you guys had with Scott Frost and Heupel over at Tennessee. I think you guys were, what, 25-1 and in a combined two-year stint. And one of the big knocks that you didn't get to play in the big games was Nobody wanted to schedule you guys, just like with Boise State all, all all over these years. So being in the Big 12 now, being a part of the big stage, being a part of the conversation of a Power Five, how excited is the UCF fan base for the future going forward? 
Yeah, really excited. And this has been probably the most exciting time for UCF until the season started and obviously things went south. But really excited to finally get that opportunity, right? To, to your point, UCF had floored it with the uh, the Big 12 back in 2016. They chose not to expand at that point. And then UCF goes on a historic run, you know, two-year regular season run where they don't lose a game uh, and, and momentum starts to build again. So, you know, but to your point, we never got an opportunity to go to the big game. We always were told, hey, you don't have, you know, play anybody, strength of schedule. So this is kind of a seven-year odyssey of UCF really saying to folks, Hey, we belong in this at this table. We belong at this level. And hearing a lot of people say, "No, you don't. You haven't played anybody. You, you're not ready yet. You're too small. Whatever, whatever." So now to finally break through that glass ceiling is a huge accomplishment for UCF. I think I don't, I don't know if most people know this. UCF's the youngest Power Five school in all of the Power Five. 1963 is when the doors open. They didn't play football until 1979. They weren't D1 until 1996. So they're they're still a young program. There are programs that have a 150 year head start on where UCF's at. So they're the two point Ryan, they're going to be some growing pains. They're going to be some bumps in the road, but there's just overall general excitement that finally all the things that you plan for, all the things that people told you you couldn't do, you kind of break through that glass ceiling. And, and now you're here. Now, obviously I think UCF has a little bit of a, a little bit of bravado. You've probably seen it on social media if you follow any UCF folks. I think there are some people who thought we'd come in and we'd dominate the conference, right? Eight wins, nine wins. How hard could this be? Uh, and so it's been a bit of a uh, a step back moment for UCF fans to be 0-4 right now. Um, and a lot of people are saying this game against West Virginia really is must win for UCF at this point uh, because you don't want to start 0-5 and then you know the slide starts after that. So it, it's been a bit of a humbling moment getting into the Big 12. Um, and I, I think UCF's competed in a lot of games, but it really kind of makes you step back and go wow like this transition is different than we thought if we I mean everyone just assumed oh we got athletes we got fast guys we got quarterbacks we got a good coach yeah no problem uh and we're slowly finding out that yeah th- there is something to this you know a couple of year transition period i think ucf fans are just starting to get that realization now and really really starting to have that hit home so you isn't ucf the largest public institution it's usually one, two with Arizona State. I forget yeah. every year we flip flop. I want to say we're like 70 strong, 70,000 strong undergrads. Arizona State's usually right up there, too. So it's really a, a coin flip every year between which one of us is the largest school. Yeah. So, but you're one or two. So yeah. definitely one of the largest in the country. And I think obviously with having that to your advantage, being in Orlando, being in Florida, uh, UCF has a lot of advantages. And you just explain when you kind of have those advantages, you're able to quickly progress to start creating a football name for yourself. Obviously a lot of work to do to catch up to the Ohio States and Michigans and Penn States of the world. Like you said, they had a hundred year head start, but obviously you guys are making good ground. And especially in today's uh, college football scene, when it's NIL transfer portal and more about resources than necessarily facilities, a school like UCF can catch up. Um, With that being said, this could be the school that ends up, Passing Florida, pa- passing FSU, and being the premier uh, yeah. Florida university. And uh, to give an example, Ryan and I grew up in Virginia, and we saw it with now like JMU and Liberty passing Tech and, and UVA. And I guess UVA was never a big, but just to give an example, how long do you, one, how possible is this? And two, how long do you think this realistically could be, UCF could be the premier school in Florida? 
It's, a, it's an interesting question. And, and here's how I'd answer that. So you, again, UCF's a really young university, right? I think there's something like 300,000 living alumni. But again, you think about where where that is from a school perspective, right? So we haven't come into, and I don't I don't know if this is a, a, a derogatory phrase, it's not meant to be. We haven't come into old money yet, right? Schools that have had people around for 80, 90 years, right? Their grandfather, their grandfather's grandfather went to that school and, and they've, they've made sort of that old money and they donate a ton of money back to the school, right? Not everybody has a Boone Pickens, but something along those lines where there's some really big benefactors that that UCF has uh, at, at their advantage. We don't have that yet. We haven't we haven't found our, our billionaires, right? We haven't found sort of that that trust fund because our alumni are still pretty much in that in that young range, right? Uh, they're still in that 45, 50, 55 range. They haven't really got to that level. So I think if you give that 300,000 living alumni base the opportunity to mature and grow over the next 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. grow their, their business side, their business acumen, the things they're working on, you have a plethora of donors at that point that certainly could come in and start to make some of the donations and do some of the things you see in some of these bigger schools out there. So that's off the field. On the field, listen, it, it'll depend on how well UCF can continue to recruit um, and how well Gus, Gus Malzahn and that staff can make this a destination school, right? You know, when you're in a school, a state with Miami, Florida and Florida State, you're always battling for a lot of athletes. You know, the one advantage UCF has is, you know, we're willing to play younger players. Um, a lot of kids in Orlando are, are liking that they can now stay home and and play in a power conference. We used to lose a lot of kids all the time to to Pitt, to West Virginia, to Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And we'd always be like, why is this kid from Orlando going to play at West Virginia? Like, you can just come play here at UCF, right? Well, a lot of it was we weren't a power conference. And so, you know, kids want to play in those big stages. And now we have that opportunity to offer them, too. But to me, it's going to come down to results, right? I mean, it's a a year-by-year thing, particularly in the state of Florida. It's very competitive. uh, And UCF has to continue to to be able to show that they can win on the field to get recruits to go, hey, all right, like I'm going to stick it out and come to UCF and I'm going to give give that that program an opportunity. We've had some wins so far in that recruiting game, but we've got a ways to go to catch up with the Miamis, the Floridas, uh, particularly those two schools have really good NIL deals. Florida State, not as great right now, but they're winning, right? So everyone wants to go to a winning program and Mike Norvell has that team rolling. So it's an uphill battle, but I think from a resource standpoint, you give UCF 15, 20 years, let that alumni base mature a little bit, let them get their business footing in place, let them kind of build some some legacy. Um, I think you have the potential to be sitting at a school that has the opportunity to to really invest back in itself and make a name for itself. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And Rush and I host a Big 12 show over on the college experience, and we were breaking down the four newcomers when you guys all joined, and we all agreed that you guys are the sleeping giant because of being in the state of Florida, we see how many good players come in and out of that state and it, it'll take, a, it'll take a minute, but you keep stacking recruiting classes on recruiting classes. And I mean, you already have the bigger TV deal than Florida state and Miami. Cause they're in the ACC, which <laughs> they don't like to hear. Yeah, no. So don't bring that up around any Seminole or hurricane fans. That'll set them off. But um, Adam, you know, you're talking about it. Saturday is a must win for UCF. Saturday's a must win for the Mountaineers yeah. too. Um, <laughs> But it, it takes me back to our first year in the league. We lost five in a row. Uh, we actually ironically started five and zero at the time with Geno Smith, Tavon Austin, and a fun team. But we weren't built in the trenches as well, and we kind of got beat up for a five game stretch there. How do you see Saturday shaking out? Do you think UCF finally gets in the win column, or do you think they continue to struggle in the trenches against a Big Twelve gauntlet? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll borrow a phrase from a, a famous uh, musician in the 2000s. Uh, will the w- real UCF please stand up? Because I don't know that we've seen who that team is. Because you mentioned it with Plumlee being injured. We have backup quarterbacks in the game. So we haven't had our full complement outside of really the, the three non-conference games. And with all due respect to Kent State, Villanova, and Boise State, right, it's really tough to benchmark against them. And Oklahoma is really the first game we had that entire sort of unit back, and we lose by two. So it really depends on which UCF team shows up. I think you're, you're seeing a team right Right now that it's got some desperation right then they realize their backs are against the wall um and i'm curious to see how they come out and respond there's i was i was pleasantly surprised with how well they played at oklahoma i don't want to be in the moral victory crowd but i figured that was a 55 to 10 you know butt whooping we were about to take and to hang in there and have a chance to legitimately win that game was was really surprising and, and exciting for ucf fans so if we can take that mentality bottle that up and bring that to west virginia um i think that'll be interesting for us but you you are absolutely right ryan i think where we've struggled is is the depth quarter one ucf usually comes out and fire right we're at three touchdowns we're running fast we're doing all this gus malzahn trickeration flipping the ball behind our head receivers are throwing it like we're doing all this fun stuff right we're up 21 three halftime everything's great and by the third quarter you start leaning on us, right? You know, five-yard run, seven-yard run, three-yard run, 10-yard pass. Before you know it, you're trying to rotate guys in. The line's getting tired. Our linebacker course is not very good at UCF. That's probably your weakest uh, spot on the defense. Uh, and before you know it, all of a sudden, we're back in a ball game. So I, I don't know how much UCF can overcome that depth. Sounds like they feel like they're healthier than they've ever, ever been. Uh, I'm going to go with a with a bounce back, though. I got to go with my guys on this one. I'm going to go with a bounce back. Back at home. We haven't played at home in a month now, so this is the first time we've been back at home in a month. Welcoming back the crowd. I think you'll you'll see a, a renewed atmosphere at UCF. It's homecoming for, for UCF, which is always a big event, too. So I don't think we cover. I'm going to go 33-28 UCF. Um, I, I think, you know... To me, this game boils down to, and I've done a little bit of looking at West Virginia, so I don't, I don't know your team as intimately, but to me, it boils down to which team makes the least amount of mistakes, right? Who makes the least amount of mistakes probably wins this game. I know you, you'll probably see Russ shaking his head. I'm sure that's been something you guys have talked about on the show. <laughs> Just a, a couple of times. <laughs> same, same with UCF. Which team makes the least amount of mistakes probably wins this game, especially in special teams. If I'm a West Virginia fan, watch out UCF special teams. Not great. So oh, there, there's an opportunity the to... We'll match you there. <laughs> there's opportunity. Our punter averaged 39 yards a punt at Oklahoma, which is not good from what I understand. Uh, and we gave up a kick and a punt return touchdown at Kansas. So th- there's opportunity in that side of the field. So I say whatever team makes the least amount of mistakes wins this game. It's a home game for UCF. Maybe you get some home cooking, some home advantage there. So I'll go 33-20 yet again. I don't think we cover, but I'm going to I'm to say we pull something out yeah and i think that's been the concern at least from the west virginia side of things and something ryan and i have, have, have talked about i mean when when the schedule was released back in february and we've talked about this is the concern especially playing at ucf and that the way the situations build up especially with Plumley coming back you guys doing well against oklahoma it's like is this going to be are we walking into a sleeping giant basically and that's our biggest concern and i think that's why the spread is at a touchdown now and it's not a little closer. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it, plays well, if, out. if yeah. it helps Jenny Baylor walked into a sleeping giant and we were up 35, 10 and lost 36, 35. So, so just, just because we get up early, don't, don't leave the stadium. Don't go anywhere. Hang out because it's very possible that you'll, you'll see a repeat of that too. So you may walk into a bus saw, but before you know it, it turns into one of those like Bob, the builder sauce at the end of the day. <laughs> it, it, you have a, re- like a reverse in wrestling. Yes. You have bus saw, yes. And it just, it's just a, massacre massacre <laughs> absolutely but that's yeah. what i was going to say is i was going to ask you if there was a matchup um you're looking forward to and it's not necessarily about a matchup it's yeah. hey do, who who screws up less like don't don't take the 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 mountaineers musket and just shoot yourself in the foot like you just gotta 
you got to play and, and play this your style of, of football, and that's what that, that's a fair statement by by Browns and Beers. There, I would I would say the matchup is UCF's rush defense has not been good. Obviously, we know Garrett Green can um, can run a little bit. UCF hasn't really been great at stopping the run. Kansas ran for. 399 yards and again let me repeat that 399 yards kansas ran for on us uh, we have not been great at stopping the run a little bit better at oklahoma can that carry over i think if ucf can stop the rushing attack i think that'll be that'll be key for them if not if i'm west virginia just turn around and hand the ball off to donaldson or let green run it like there's no need to and then you know again my, my limited scouting in west virginia it seems like green is throws a pretty good deep ball right so you yeah. suck in the defense and all of a sudden before you know it popping over the top ucf's down seven nothing so i think if we can if we can contain the run and again early on watch we'll, we'll be okay containing the run first couple of drives we'll get a couple stops but i, I think you said it earlier can you can you sustain that drive after drive? I think that that rushing um, attack for for West Virginia is going to be key. And watch UCF's linebackers. They typically will be wherever the position is. They're not supposed to be. That's where they're going to be. Uh, so watch UCF's linebackers and see how they're keying in. If they, if they're engaged, if you're seeing number zero Jason Johnson make tackles, number twenty seven Walter Yates make tackles, that's a good sign for UCF fans. If you're seeing them um, in the rear view mirror, I would be really excited if I'm a West Virginia fan. I like Browns and beers right here. It's yeah, it's a really good call. <laughs> yes, no, that I mean that Baylor game was wild. We were Rush and I were out in Vegas that weekend, and um, I, I I said, man, UCF is putting it on Baylor up thirty five seven midway through the third, and then I I look back and it's like thirty five thirty one, and I go, what the heck happened? And then I saw how it ended, but yeah. No, not not to remind you of that game. I know you're trying to forget that one, but yeah, we don't we don't talk uh, about that um, anymore. Yeah. Unbelievable, <laughs> and yeah. that, and that's been your only home game in league play, correct? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. yeah you so guys, um, you guys did not get any uh, favorites no. on the schedule draw going to. Well, that's what that's why I said this is a must win. And again, with all due respect yeah. to the other teams in, in in the Big Twelve, right? So two games in the state of Kansas, Kansas State in Kansas, right? Home game against Baylor, and then at Oklahoma, right? So now our stretch yeah. becomes West Virginia at home. At Cincinnati, who obviously is not having a great year. Then we welcome the Fighting Gundies. Then we go to Lubbock, which always gets weird. And then we're home for Houston. So you have a little bit of a wiggle room here. If you can roll off a win against West Virginia, if you can, you know, you can take it to Cincinnati. And there's rivalry there. UCF Cincinnati have history, right? If you can take it to Cincinnati, then you get the Fighting Gundies, which you never know what to expect there. Uh, then you can get a little bit of a roll going, right? So that's why this game is super important, I think, for UCF, is they have to get that momentum right now. The front half of the schedule didn't didn't leave a lot of room for air. UCF has to now try to capitalize in the back half of the schedule. But Here's the thing. Gus Malzahn talked about running the table. Like, don't run the table, Gus. Win a damn game first. Forget about the whole table thing. Just win me one, and then let's worry about the rest. But you got to do that on Saturday, and then you have the opportunity to maybe set up for a run down the, down the road. Let's start forming the chair to get to the table before yes. we start getting Let's on. get to the house, Gus. <laughs> Open the door first before yeah. we run around the tables. I agree. Exactly, exactly. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. Adam Eaton of the Sons of UCF podcast. Go check them out again. Uh, should be an interesting game. I think both sides have, have said that, Adam. We'll, we'll we'll see how it – of course, now we're all worried about mistakes, and it'll probably be the game of the Big 12 for the whole year, right? It has a <laughs> funny way of doing that. But, hey, we're glad you guys are in the Big 12. Hopefully this uh, starts a good good rivalry, good competitive matchup, especially on the East Coast uh, for, for years to come. And, again, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Charge on. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Yeah, those were really good points Adam brought up, especially when he was just talking about um, – we talked about it yesterday, Ryan, with the, with the Oklahoma State game. And we'll talk about this more as we do our keys to victory and everything like that um, that we do on our Thursday show. But 
it's it's this going to be a game of who wants it more. This is is this is a must win for both teams. Kind of one of those loser leaves town games. So obviously, we don't want to lose three in a row. They don't want to lose five in a, a row. They're still looking for the Big Twelve win, and it's just who's ever going to play, probably play the cleanest brand of football is going to win this game. No doubt, it's it's desperation time. Back against the wall for both teams, and they're feeling a little bit more confident than they have over the last couple of weeks getting their quarterback back. And they played well at Oklahoma. And if anybody uh, hasn't had a chance to go watch that game, go watch that game. They should. They they basically got that game taken away from them by the officials on a uh, overturned interception call, or sorry, pass interference call at the end of the first half that was not pass interference. So UCF, man, I mean, they're good enough to win in Oklahoma. They're obviously good enough to beat us. We we're gonna have to play well. We much better than we have in the final two weeks. We need. To, Got to come back with that chip on the shoulder like we did against mm-hmm. TCU and Texas Tech. Um, and we're an underdog. We're a touchdown underdog. I mean, it's right where we you, want it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's telling you that uh, the odds makers think that UCF's the better football team. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a tall task. But of course, on the other side of things, too, keeping it positive is hey, this could be the one where a lot of people, including us, were concerned about entering the season and um predicted it as a potential loss but this is, could be the one to make up for for what we've done the previous two games and you start building something again get a nice road win BYU comes to town that you know we match up well against and hey we go from there so anyway we'll be back tomorrow Ryan obviously there's been a few basketball updates it's, if, there's nothing like ending a show yesterday and and news breaking about the disgusting NCA and what they're doing to Raekwon battle but uh we will be back tomorrow to discuss that and a couple other things basketball related be back on Thursday, like I said, for uh, keys to victory and how we're going to beat this UCF team and get back on track. Uh, But until then, at 6 o'clock, top of the hour, we will be on the Big 12 College Experience. Go over to the College Experience channel on YouTube and check that out. Uh, We have a Kansas guest on, going to be talking about their matchup this week against Oklahoma and previewing the rest of the game. So we hope to see you all over there. Uh, Again, everyone, thank you so much for your support. We love you, and uh, we'll see you again later. Let's go Mountaineers. See you guys tomorrow. Go Mountaineers.